drifting, the danger of drifting. We'll ask the Lord's blessing and let's pray. Father, we're grateful, Lord, that we can be anchored in you. Teach us how to remain anchored in you and to avoid this danger of drifting for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I want to talk to you today about why we drift spiritually, why we tend to drift spiritually. And the first reason that I have for that is that we're just not anchored properly. Amen. We're not anchored properly. That's the first reason that I have for you today. You know, anchors are each uniquely designed, if you think about it, for the specific sizes and types of the ships that they hold firmly in a set place on the open water. The larger the ship, the more anchors that it has in the front and in the rear. So God, think about this. He knows, amen, he knows how much holding power each of us needs, amen, and he accommodates us based on our unique individual needs. You know, as I think about the fact we're not anchored properly, we got three anchors I want to talk to you about, three anchors. And the first one of them is God. God is your main anchor. Don't miss that one. A couple of verses here for you. Ephesians 3.10 says, to the intent that now the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold, notice the manifold wisdom of God. God is our great anchor. His wisdom anchors us, does it not? The Bible says in Psalm 91 and verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Aren't you glad about that? He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. So here's the big question. When we think about God being our anchor, have you lost faith in God? Have you lost faith in God? Because he's our primary anchor. If you can't get past that anchor, you, you dead in the water. Amen. But let's move on. Not only God, but the Bible. That's our next anchor. Amen. That's our next anchor. The Bible talks about the uh, anchor of truth, first of all. Second Timothy 3.16, the Bible says, All scripture, that is the Bible, is given by inspiration. That means God has breathed it out. It's given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that's teaching, for reproof, that's a form of correction. Then it also says correction and for instruction in righteousness. That is our uh, next primary anchor, God and then the Bible. If you want to remain firmly attached to that seafloor, to that sea bottom and not be dead in the water, amen? You need to have God in the Bible in your life. Somebody say amen. amen. So there's an anchor of truth. There's also this anchor in the Bible of hope. The Bible says this, Hebrews 6 and verse 18 and 19. He says, we have a strong consolation or comfort who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Which hope that is, we have as an anchor. There's that word, an anchor of the soul. The Bible uses the word anchor. And he says, both sure and steadfast. You can mark it down. You could take this one to the bank. And the Bible says, which enters into that within the veil. Let me just explain that real briefly. That is um, Levitical terminology. Levitical meaning the priests of Israel that service the temple. Here's one of the things that, they, that, that the Bible talks about. In the temple, the Jewish temple, there would be the Holy of Holies. And with that would be deep within the temple. Only the high priest could go in there and only once a year with blood and so forth and so on. But that speaks of the deepest, surest place that we can be anchored. Amen. In the very inner sanctum of God's temple. God wants us to be anchored firmly uh, to that seafloor. Can somebody say amen right there? So when we think about the Bible, we think about it as an anchor of truth. 
we think about it as an anchor of hope. But I also think about the Bible as an anchor of wisdom. 2 Timothy 3.15 says this, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Amen? By the way, remember everything, because this might come back to you in the form of a candy question later, so don't tune out on me now. The sermon notes are, are fair game. Amen? Amen. And so, 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 so from a child, you've known the Holy Scriptures and they're able to make you wise to salvation. That's why we have Sunday school. Amen. Children need to learn the Bible, too. You know, sometimes we just we go to church and we sit the kids off in a corner somewhere and we feel like it's just for us. No, that's the club. Amen. A church involves young people, too. Amen. And, and so 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 but but I got one more anchor. See, we're not anchored properly if we don't have God. We don't have the Bible, but we need each other. We need each other. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad Brooks is back. I've been missing him. We got this bromance going on. I don't know what it is. Sorry, bro. I had to, I had to, had to throw that in. But I miss him when he gone. I be looking on the calendar. Is he coming this week? Is he coming this week? So it was so good to see him this week. I just fall apart. When he ain't here, I don't know what to do. Amen. Because he takes care of stuff and he makes everything nice and neat and what have you. But, but, but look, but, but we need each other. Amen. I need my brothers. I need my, I need my fellows. I need my wife. I need my family. I need everybody. Amen. But we need each other. Listen to this verse in Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verse 9 and following. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor, the Bible says. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he has not another to help him up. See, again, if two lie together, then they can have heat, yes? And how can one be, don't let your mind go like crazy with that, okay? All right, this, if you married, yes, okay? All right, so, so, but how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And this is a very interesting phrase here. A, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. When you think about the physics of a rope um, and you take two strands, they're fairly strong if you tie those two strands together and you whatever the case may be. But they're a little bit more easy to break when you just have two of them. But you put a th good rope is really other strands around a central strand. That being the Jesus, that being the Holy Ghost, that being the anchor that we have in him. Yes. And that we have in each other. So when we are both intertwined around Jesus. Amen. There's no breaking that cord. You have to cut that cord when it has a nice center nylon or whatever it is. And it's braiding around that. That ain't going nowhere. That's the kind of rope that's on the uh, front end of an anchor. Somebody say amen. And so we have this anchor in one another. The Bible says in Romans 1:12, it speaks about a mutual faith that we have in Christ uh, that we should have among one another. That brings us great joy and comfort. The Bible says this there, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith. Say mutual faith. Notice he says both of you and me. So Paul, the apostle, needed other people. So who are we? If he needed people, if Jesus needed people, who are we not to have people in our lives? See, have we learned to hang on to one another for dear life and to depend on each other for daily encouragement? There are some battles, my friend, that we just won't win alone. You better get off your island, okay? And you better tune into society. Last time I checked, there's more people than just you in this world, amen? And so we need each other. So, so the first reason that we drift is because we're not anchored properly. Let me give you another one. Another one is, is because we're not watchful for dangerous storms. 
we're not watchful for dangerous storms. Let's talk about this one. See, you know, being on guard, if you will, uh, every ship, on every ship, there, there's a person or some kind of a gauge uh, or instrument that watches for storms, for bad currents that can throw a ship off course and destroy it, if you will. You remember the most familiar line in the story of Titanic? Iceberg ahead. Remember that statement in there? Okay. And so, uh, but let me give you some verses here. Luke 12, 35 through 40. The Bible says, let your loins be girt about. That speaks about readiness. In, in other words, in a Jewish culture, you would have everybody wore the same type of outer garment. It was more of a kilt type of a garment for a guy than it was pants. So uh, although ladies wore, men kind of wore the same kind of outer garments, robes. And so they would have to kind of hunch those up around the hip area so that they could be prepared to run. It's kind of hard to run in a dress, <laughs> if you will. So the girding of the loins would speak about that preparedness for war or preparedness to, to do work or what have you. And have your lights be burning and you yourselves be like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding that when he comes and knocks, that they may, be op they may open unto him immediately. You can only do that if you're ready. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find watching. Verily, truly, I say to you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and he will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in a second watch or in the third watch and find them, so blessed are those servants. And this know, verse 39, that if the goodman of the house had known what hour that the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed or suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also. There's that, there's that, 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 that motif of readiness. For the Son of Man also comes at an hour when you think not. See, we're not watchful for dangerous storms and currents. The big idea is this from this verse, speaking about preparedness, obviously, and being prepared for the inevitabilities of this life. There's always something, huh? Always something that's going to happen. And so Jesus mentions things like having our loins girt, about having our lights burning, and also about waiting for our Lord. It's about staying ready, about watching. See, Sometimes we just can't avoid strong currents. They are what they are. They're going to be in our lives. They're going to be in that river. The, the tranquility that was around one bend may end up being white water at the next one. Amen. And so sometimes we can't avoid those strong currents. We just got to suit up like those tubers uh, in this slide picture up here and hang on for dear life. What you going to do? Are you in the water now? Huh? Amen. Okay. I kind of be wondering why I got to wear a helmet. That'd be my first question. I mean, what, what can water do for, to me, you know, but there's rocks under the water. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And so I'd be kind of concerned why we got to wear a helmet out here on the water, you know. Some of y'all more daring people, you know, you're not watchful for dangerous storms. So, so there's dangers, there's storms, there's currents. Let me talk about a few of them. Here's one. Three main dangers I want to talk about. First of all is worldliness, worldliness. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, love not the world. Did it say love not to the, the, the accoutrements of it and, and the beauty of it and so forth and so on? No, don't love it first place. We heard that in our 10 o'clock hour. Not first place, the second place. You enjoy the world, enjoy everything that's here, but you love God more, yes? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, supremely, in other words. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, those things, worldly things, they're not of the Father, but they're of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God, the Bible says, abides forever. So, one of the dangers is worldliness. Here's another one. False doctrine, false teaching. The Bible has a great deal to say about that. A couple of verses. 2 Peter 3.17 Ye therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, beware, lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace. God has an alternate plan for us. He wants us to not grow in the philosophy of the world, but to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. And everybody said? And then one other verse here. Ephesians 4.14 says this, that we henceforth be no more children. You know, you can still be a baby in church. You can be a 56-year-old, you can be an 88-year-old baby, never having grown in the things of the Lord. Amen. It's time for us to grow up. Amen tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Everybody hears, got their favorite preacher or teacher on the radio, and then you get all caught up with what they're talking about, and you don't cross-check it with Scripture. And so the Bible says that they use trickery by the slight of men, slight of hand, the Bible is what it's talking about here, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait. They wait for you to deceive you so they can get your money. Let's talk about yet another one here, and that is apathy and indifference. Another dangerous current, dangerous storm is apathy and indifference. That's kind of the I'll just sit back and watch approach. Jeremiah 48 and 11 has a verse for you. He says, Moab, that's a wicked nation, by the way, has been at ease from his youth. What did the Bible say about him? Been at ease, and he has settled, notice that, on his lees. I'll explain that in a minute. And he has been emptied from vessel to vessel, and hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel. In other words, instead of the wine being useful and blessing people and, and being a normal customary beverage, and we're not talking about intoxicating wine, we're talking about the average, normal, everyday beverage of Israel would have been grape juice, Okay. And this wine is grape juice. Sometimes, though, it is allowed to stay too long in its container and it will settle. There will be a sediment that would form uh, as that wine ferments and then becomes useless. So rather than you getting out of the bottle and getting into people's cups and in people's lives and in people's hearts, you just kind of settled on your lees. That became a saying for people who are lazy and apathetic and indifferent. You know, at the end of the day, Christian service is a heart matter. The picture here is of good wine being spoiled because uh, the bottler was too lazy to transfer it to another bottle before it was contaminated and wasted by those old settle lees. So rather than settling on your lees, you better get busy praying on your knees. Amen. But we not only drift because we're not anchored properly, not only because of dangerous currents and storms, but thirdly, one other reason is we're not seaworthy. We're not seaworthy. That boat right there, it should have never left wherever it was. (laughs) My, my, my. And so we not seaworthy. We ain't got no business on the water, period. Are you hearing me? You know, one of those reasons why, two issues here I want to talk about. One is spiritual immaturity. We just spiritually immature. What immediately comes to my mind about the seaworthiness 
of, or the lack thereof of this ship is there's too many people on it. Amen. And so we follow the crowd. We follow the crowd into an unstable boat. Come on, y'all help me preach this thing. And we end up endangering not only our own lives, but the lives of other people. It's not worth it. See, it's not worth following fellow employees to the overcrowded bars. Come on now. Or to the nightclubs or to them strip joints or whatever the case may be after work. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Okay. Drifting back into them old habits or dead and useless relationships or messed up ways of thinking. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Let me talk about one more and we'll wrap our thoughts up for this morning. We're not seaworthy because we're spiritually immature, but we're also spiritually unprepared. We're spiritually unprepared. Here, I, I thought about um, where I, my second home, not where I grew up, but my second young adult home where I got saved and where I began to cut my teeth spiritually and learn how to uh, uh, preach and serve the Lord and soul win and all that was in Virginia Beach, Norfolk. Read my bio. It's all online, citychurchnv.com. It's all right there. But that was my second home. That's where I got saved, and so I call that home. It was in that area, a lot of military, a lot of shipyards, a lot of shipbuilding. It happens in Norfolk, Virginia. And so I think about that. I work, was blessed to work at one of those shipyards for a short time in that area. And, and my experiences there was that these strategic shipyards all around were designed to either build seaworthy vessels or to repair unseaworthy ones. Are you with me? Those are the basic two reasons why those shipyards there exist. You know, unseaworthiness also means that some of us just ain't ready for certain things. We're just not ready for certain things. We try to move too far too fast and we end up hitting an iceberg. There it is. And we end up sinking. Stay in the shipyard. Some of us need to just stay in basics one-on-one -on -one for a little while. We need to stay in the shipyard. It's okay. And get the necessary preventive maintenance, the spiritual preparedness that we need before launching. Okay? Out on the unforgiving seas of life, you don't want to be out there and be unprepared. Here's a verse of scripture for you. Proverbs 19, 2 and verse 3 says this. Also, that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good. And he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. Okay? Better take your time. The foolishness of man perverts his way and his heart frets against the Lord. Now you mad at God because of what you did. God ain't do that to you. You mad at him because of what you did. Just be honest after we do our foolishness. Let me just kind of close our thoughts. Talking about spiritual shipwreck for a minute. You know, the ultimate danger and final stage for drifting is spiritual shipwreck. You know, shipwrecks are never pretty, are they? Now we got broken pieces that we got to deal with. And is that what you want in your life, really? Is that what you want? Well, this is where you're headed if you don't get your act together spiritually, okay? Uh, no ship ever set sail to shipwreck. That would be just foolish. Some ships wreck under the water while others wreck at the shoreline. A shipwreck is a shipwreck, any way you want to call it. Spiritual, the spiritual significance here is this. See, spiritual underwater shipwrecks, they're less public. They're hidden from view. People have to search and find some of our skeletons in the closet sometimes. However, spiritual shoreline ones are there for everybody to see. Are you hearing me? They're embarrassing. They're shameful. Here's a verse of scripture. 1 Timothy 5, 
very neat passage that talks about what I just said. Verse 24. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment. And some men, they follow after. That's the underwater shipwreck. Oh, you still going to be found out, though. They have underwater drones. They will find you. They will bring you into the museum and tell everything about what happened to you. Are you hearing me? Likewise, also the good works of some are manifest or visible beforehand. And they that are otherwise cannot be hid. So you have this dichotomy between those who try to get by with stuff and those who really not trying to get by with anything. They're trying to serve Jesus. And God talks about them both and lumps them in not in the same category, but in totally different categories. God will honor the one who doesn't have it all together, but stays faithful, but will dishonor the one who thinks that they do, but they end up in shipwreck. Come on, y'all help me preach this thing. So like it or not, our lives are an open book for the world to see. What then do we want to show them? See, we got to admit that we're weak and we're aimless without God's help. We'll always drift. But ships with good captains, amen, and expert crews always self-correct and they get back on course, amen. See, if you got a good God and you do, and you have a good church, I hope this is a good church, and you have a good pastor, I hope that I'm a good pastor. I've been at it for 30 years. He ain't kicked me out yet. So, so far, you know, I hope I'm doing something halfway right, amen then you need to entrust your voyage to the captain of your soul. That's Jesus. And the expert crew of earthly ministers and heavenly angels. Amen. And you need to hold on for dear life. Amen. But just don't get on that other boat with all them people <laughs> going nowhere, going to the wrong place. Can we give God some praise? Amen. All right. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful that you love us. Thank you for us being in your house. And Lord, we just thank you so much that uh, Lord, we don't have to shipwreck that we can.